Welcome to The Grange Point, where we hang out and talk about the latest news in science technology and how they relate to your everyday life. This podcast is brought to you by the Young Scientists of Australia. We're a youth organisation aged 15 to 25 whose work is to promote science to the youth of Australia. This week we return to the arms race against bacteria, but in this case only tangentially involving humans. Now, we know that there's an arms race between bacteria and human immune systems, but there's also one between bacteria and fungus, and the spillover between this two war can happen in some pretty strange places and impact humans eventually. Plus, we find out about how your mouth keeping healthy with one type of bacteria can lead to blocking infections with from others. Bacteria can be pretty harmful for humans, but also for animals. And when we try and treat these harmful bacteria, well, we use antibiotics. The problem is that eventually we've been finding that these bacteria get resistance built up in them to these antibiotics. And they become antibiotic-resistant superbugs, as we like to call them. An example of these is MRSIA, which is methylicin-resistant Staphylococcus aureus. We call it MRSA, just to be more simple about it. Now, one of the things about MRSA is we we used to think that, well, it was clearly as a result to our interventions and treatments with antibiotics that caused this superbug to really develop. And that may be true for the variants we see in humans, but research published in the journal Nature involving a collaboration of researchers from University of Cambridge, the Wellcome Sanger Institute, Denmark Serum Stat Institute, and the Royal Botanic Gardens in Kew, have been surveying tiny creatures all across England, Denmark, Sweden, and publishing some pretty stark findings. Strange results when they compare the Staphylococcus aureus across hedgehog populations. And what they have observed in a strange and unusual battle undertaken on the bellies of these hedgehogs, then how that may have led to the development of MRSA in hedgehogs that is antibiotic resistant. Now, lead authors on this paper were Jesper Larsen and Claire Eisen, but there is a long list of collaborators from many different research institutions here for this paper published in the journal Nature. Now, the thing about hedgehogs is that they're cute and tiny and scattered across the wilderness in Northern Europe. And one of the things that they have on them is a war, a war between fungus and bacteria. They live on the skin of these hedgehogs and, well, they're both trying to occupy the same niche. They both want to occupy the skin of the hedgehog and basically feed off whatever falls onto it. And that is a pretty good strategy, except Both of these creatures, fungi and bacteria, are trying to do the same thing in the same place, which means that inevitably war breaks out. Now, the war between fungus and bacteria is interesting for the hedgehog, but mostly something that, unless it gets out of hand, can cause it to get sick. So it just wages incessantly on the hedgehog, and the hedgehog is most of the time none the wiser. Now, the fungus, to defeat the bacteria, secretes a type of antibiotic to try and kill the bacteria. Now, the thing is, if the bacteria gets exposed to this fungal-produced antibiotic for long enough, well, it builds up a resistance. In this case, it actually builds up a methicillin resistance, because that is the actual thing that the fungus is producing. And if they survey around a large number of hedgehogs, they can see that around 60% of hedgehogs carry a type of MRSA called MECC MRSA. Now, this type of MEC MRSA is also found in humans, by the way. About 1 in 200 of all MRSA infections in humans are of this particular variant of superbug, a methylicin-resistant superbug variant of MRSA. Now, they see this in most hedgehogs, 60%, but it's not quite in most humans yet, which is good, I guess. Now, 
what they found is that when they look at this particular variant strain, it's present a lot in hedgehogs, but the crossover between hedgehogs and humans is pretty low. It's not like we're talking about like cattle where there's, or perhaps poultry, where there's a reasonably large crossover chance between humans and these creatures. With the hedgehogs, not so much. We don't domesticate and farm them. So how do we have so much in common with them? So to trace the history of this, the researchers turned to gene sequencing. And what they looked at was in trying to isolate the evolutionary history of the Staphylococcus aureus and look at some specific populations that they could try and isolate and trend these over time. They looked at variants with certain genes that were spread in certain regions of Europe and then they compared samples collected from hedgehogs to this large back catalogue of basically the wild bacteria that they collected uh, as a large sample point. Now, by doing this type of gene tracing, they can look at when certain genes and certain subtypes were developed. Because by doing this genomic analysis, you can look for antibiotic resistant genes and the mobile genetic elements in them. And you can also know when antibiotics started to come in. So we know that we started to develop and use widespread antibiotics in around 1960. So development of antibiotic resistant genes, these genes developed by the bacteria to fight back, we don't expect to see those that often until around 1960. But the researchers have found lots of examples of this going back to around 130 to 200 years ago, suggesting that actually in the hedgehog population, they had developed some form of resistance well before the invention by humans of antibiotics. So using this type of sequencing technology, they were able to trace back these genes all the way back to the, around the 19th century. These are the specific genes that give MECC, MRSA's antibiotic resistance. This is the type of MRSA found in one out of 200 infections in humans, so a pretty common case. But it really goes to show that it wasn't the use of penicillin that drove the initial emergence of MRSA in this particular branch. It was actually a natural biological process because MRSA pretty much evolved as a battle of survival on the skin of hedgehogs and probably then spread to livestock and humans through direct contact. And we used to think that antibiotic resistance in bacteria in particularly livestock populations was actually due to a widespread overuse of antibiotics and that certainly doesn't help but it's probably not the only factor even if we didn't use antibiotics at all in animals we would still see the antibiotic resistance there because it's coming in anyway fungus and bacteria are fighting not just in hedgehogs probably in other places too that are leaving basically a war going on whether it's between humans and bacteria or humans and fungus fungus and bacteria this is going to always lead to an arms race where fungal infections and bacterial infections always get better and better over time and in the animal kingdom they've had a very long time to do so more than the 80 or so years since the invention of antibiotics and of course it's not just hedgehogs as adorable as they are and spiky that could harbor these type of antibacterial resistant bugs on them it could be also many other types of wild creatures because basically it doesn't matter where this war is happening between bacteria and fungi, it's probably going to spill over to affect humans and vice versa. If we use a lot of antibiotics to treat bacteria that we want to keep out, well, it's probably going to have flow-on effects to fungal infections and bacteria infections somewhere else as well. It's because it's a linked ecosystem as much as we don't want to think about it as. The things that we use to treat ourselves or our cattle probably has flow-on impacts to nature and vice versa in this case. So it's really fascinating work published in the journal Nature that shows by studying the genomes of both bacteria and hedgehogs for a long period of time, how this arms race occurring between tiny creatures, fungi and bacteria, on the skin of another tiny creature, a hedgehog, can actually lend up with antibiotic resistance in our hospitals. 
with the forms of MRSA that are antibiotic resistant. And whilst we don't yet have an amazing new cure to fight back against them, we are working on it. And this is the challenge. It's always going to be a struggle to find the next best thing to tackle bacterial infection. And even hedgehogs have been witnessing this battle for many, many years. This paper was published in the journal Nature. Lead author on this paper was Jesper Larsen, Claire Larisen, and a large list of collaborators. Researchers from the University of Cambridge, Welcome Sanger Institute, Denmark Serum Start Institute, Royal Botanic Gardens Q, and many others. Now, when we think of bacterial infections, we often think about one particular type of disease getting in and making us sick, but it's often much more complicated than that. There are many ways to get, get into the body, and an obvious one is, of course, the mouth. But there's a strange link between the defenses that you have in your mouth and how other types of bacteria presence can lower the defenses, not for themselves, but opening the gate on the big castle walls of your immune system and letting things inside. Now, researchers from the Louisville, researchers from the University of Louisville School of Dentistry have recently published in the Journal of Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences a paper on how these defenses in our mouths can be compromised and lead to greater infection of other diseases. And this work was with lead author Carlos Rodriguez Hernandez under the direction of Associate Professor Juhi Bagakaita. So the mouth is a pretty rough and tumble place. Not only does it have to consume and help chew all your food, but it's also a wet and moist environment, which means lots of things can get in there and breed. Which means that maintaining any type of infection in your mouth is really quite problematic. And there's all kinds of things that can give you base oral-based infections, things like Porophomorus gingivalis, basically this type of gingivitis type of infection that you would be familiar with with your mouth. One of the reasons why people recommend gargling or mouthwash to try and cut that back down. These pathogenic bacterial species can cause periodontal disease. That in and of itself is a problem. But the thing is, the mouth is a gateway into your body. If you want to think about it, as far as the immune system's castle wall defenses go, the mouthway is literally a gate. And if something opens that gate, well then other diseases and viruses can get in, into your lungs, into your gastrointestinal tract. This could be everything from SARS-CoV-2 to... HIV, herpes, and even some types of human papillomavirus, HPV. We've all been shown to actually be able to get in through the gastrointestinal tract and lungs, and thus into that from your mouth. So thus, having good mouth defense systems is really, really important. It's even been shown that P. gingivalis, this common oral bacterium, can be linked to other diseases like Alzheimer's and rheumatoid arthritis. If you have someone who's immune suppressed and they have periodontitis, they have increased susceptibility to these type of diseases. It's not that you have this and then you'll get it for sure. It just means you have a weakened immune system already. Okay. And if you have gingivitis, well, then you'll actually make it more likely that you could catch something else, basically because your immune system is further compromised. Now, what the researchers were trying to understand is how does this compromising work? Well, the thing is that inside your mouth, you have these epithelial cells, and they are useful because they help protect your mouth from bacterial infection. They produce family proteins known as interferon lambdas. 
the thing is, if you have Porifomorus gingivalis, well, it basically targets these epithelial cells and gets them to stop pumping out interference. Now, if they stop pumping out interference and they pump interference that are less effective, then all of a sudden the things defending your mouth from incoming bacteria are less active. Now, this helps it gingivitis because it means that it doesn't get attacked as much, but it also means that those defenders aren't there to stop other things coming in. And that's exactly what happens. So interference is incredibly important for having a broad antiviral protection. And making sure we activate these antiviral genes is really important because it can help people be protected from other viral-based infections. So it's not saying that if you have a oral disease, a periodontitis, that you're definitely going to catch other diseases as well. But it's harder to defend your body if one part of it has a big gaping hole in it. And that is literally your mouth. And if there's no defenders there with these interferon lambdas to protect that hole, then it makes it very easy for other infections to sneak in. So some interesting work published in the Journal of Proceeding of the National Academy of Sciences that goes to show that having a weakness to one type of bacteria can open the way to other based infections and how we can boost that by having right antiviral boosting things that produce more interferons that are stronger and keeping our mouths healthy. So not having resident oral plaque bacteria in your mouth is not going to stop you catching a type of another type of disease but it will certainly make it easier for your body's natural defenses to work so good oral hygiene is important just in general for keeping your immune system at tip-top fighting shape this has been the young scientists of australia's podcast lagrange point from tiny hedgehogs and bacterial infections all the way to your mouth keeping healthy to stop get other viruses getting into your body this week we focused on bacteria and the arms race against them our ending theme was composed by Audio Head to ysa.org.au for more information about the Young Scientists of Australia.